how many times has he been to jail? Man, twice, three times. Twice. Actually, Boulder, Boulder okay. Vale, and Littleton. I was a younger okay. man. All right. I mean, not jail, like I'll local lie. jail. Welcome to Power Lunch. I'm going to hang out with a very special person today. Founding member of Good Business Colorado, the Burrito King, community builder, president, founder, and CEO of Illegal Pete's, and Lunchbox Top 30 Hottest Restaurant Brand 2023 winner, Pete Turner. How you doing, Pete? Great. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining. I was looking at your website. That's a sick site. Like the cursor, the details, the rock and roll feel. It's so much is happening and it's all playing a symphony together so well. I just got to first say, as a fellow website aficionado, I just love it. I think your website's dope. No question there. Just website is dope. Appreciate it. Uh, how involved were you on the website? Extremely involved. So uh, the 2020 was our 25th anniversary. I've been doing this for 28 years. How are you doing this for 28 years and you look like 28, 29? I don't, it doesn't add up. Look at all this white, man. It's all good, dude. I'm silverback right now. But uh, no, so yeah, I was uh, 23 when I signed the lease, 24 when I opened the first restaurant. But so next week we're 28 years old. But to celebrate our 25th anniversary, we did a full like uh, rebrand and part of that, you know, so we branded our logo design, uh, did a full website, everything else. That was obviously kind of the pandemic. So everybody had different plans for 2020. That was one of our big ones. So we actually launched the website, I think in 2021, but thank you very much. We did the full rebrand and through the pain and darkness of COVID, man. We got to talk about that. We got to talk about that. I can't imagine how making a new brand or upgrading it might have been some solace in all of this crap that we have to deal with as operators for you so i want to go through that journey as well but first let's go to the 23 year old p all right it's 1995 you're opening the first location you're 23 boulder colorado how does a 23 year old open a restaurant how does that happen born and raised in denver my mom was partnering in a restaurant so i worked in restaurants growing up boulder's a really interesting place you get a lot of people from the coast you get california and new york city right my group of friends a lot of them were from the bay area so this is 1989 and 1993 and that's kind of where the mission district where the big burrito thing originally had been going on for i don't know since the 70s i think in san francisco so my good friends would talk about this type of food when i was in boulder and i'd go back to visit really uh more kind of the fringe mill valley across the bay uh, was where i first had the burritos and then went to the district uh, from 89 93 and i was like holy crap if this type of food existed in boulder i'd be eating it once or twice a week and so thought about it um, throughout college, graduated in 93 and started pursuing it. At that point, Shea Jose had opened up, La Salsa, and then uh, Chipotle opened up, right? So like it became very clear, like, yes, there's something here, right? And so I started pursuing that in Boulder, Colorado, where again, I thought had I, you know, I knew exactly where I would have, you know, wanted it had I been a student in at CU. And so kind of pursued it, found a location, signed the lease February of 1995 and opened August 15th of 1995. So I really was more about the food and the type of atmosphere that I wanted to have. We wanted kind of punk rock, hip hop and what a 24 year old was into at the time. And uh, it was a lot of fun and made a ton of mistakes. We opened in 600 square feet, eight seats and have grown to our average units about 3,200 square feet. But um, wow. it's been a journey, man. That's amazing. There's so many pieces to unpack and we're gonna to touch on all of it a little bit. You talked about your mom. Tell us about your dad. You named the company after Pete Turner Sr. Would love to hear about Pete Turner Sr. Would love to hear about how you came about with the name. I think it's a sick name. My dad passed away in actually 1997. So my dad was uh, terminally ill with cancer. Just two years after. 
Two years, actually. So he lived to see the second anniversary of Illegal Beats, and then he passed away a week and a half later. But so my father, my freshman year at CU, was diagnosed with terminal non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He was in really good shape. He was 49 years old, fought, 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 thank God, because without his sort of support and moral support, I don't know where I'd be right now. So when I graduated and, and pursued Illegal Pete's, he was the one that, you know, kind of believed in me and, and co-signed the loan, got the financing. And I'm Pete Turner the second, so he's Pete the first. So he's my first partner. He never was able to work in the restaurant, but he's my moral support. So I'm in Boulder. I call him multiple times a day, see him often, be, come down to Denver, but I wouldn't have been able to do it without him. But yeah, he was also the spirit behind the name Illegal Pete's. You know, I grew up hearing stories about my dad. It kind of caused me to sort of push limits a little bit as well. And it was a name that kind of honoring him, honoring myself, the spirit of it felt right. And I thought it was fun, mysterious, a little punk rock. And it's my name and it's my dad's name. So. You know, I've had so many folks over. I think this is the best naming story and very inspired by that story. How many times has he been to jail? Man, twice, three times? Twice? Actually, Boulder, Boulder Vale, and Littleton. I was a younger okay. man. All right. I mean, not jail, like I local jail. Local. I've not done any hard time. But yeah. I, I, okay, got it. Yep. Awesome. I got to ask you this. You, you've talked about music already, you know, a couple of times. You know, who are some of the musicians that you try to bring into this, right? Like for when we were designing our brand, I don't know if you looked at our website ever. Yeah, it's awesome. We were trying to bring in a lot of hip hop and a lot of tattoo artists and especially Sailor Jerry tattoos and a lot of just, you know, Queens hip hop, right? Nas and others. Who are the artists you were bringing in when you said, hey, here's the rebrand we're doing. These are the people I love. Again, year one, 1995, we're listening to old De La Soul, Trap Call Quest, you know, Wu-Tang just came out. Like all that was back then. And then old like punk rock, like Operation IV, we'd listen to Descendants, like Biggie, Nas, Nas, like Illmatic, one of my top five favorite al albums of all time. I think that was 94, but that had just come out. So we're just bumping that and it was so much fun. So we would play that all the time. And in so doing, right, over the years, we would we'd go see the shows and then these artists would come through and we would feed them, right? Because we were on the hill in Boulder, Colorado. We had the Fox Theater, we had Tulagis. We became really uh, highly involved with uh, music and bands. We have a program and a half for, I don't know, 15 years now called Starving Artists that was informally way back when, where we'll feed any national or international band and their crew for free. But that kind of developed because we were all fans and there's so many people that worked at Pete's that were musicians and continue to be musicians and have gone on to fame. You know, like uh, early 2000s, Jack Johnson was a guy that would roll through and you know Jack. No, Wait. no way. Well, yeah, he would roll through on the hill when he was playing Tulagi's and we'd feed him for free, dude, when he was coming up, you know, because he's a surfer. And then pretty soon he's wearing illegal Pete stuff on stage and people are like, what is going on? And he dropped our name in like Elle magazine or something. So that's pretty cool. And then we get like uh, the Beastie Boys rolled through, like I love the Beastie Boys. Yeah, dude. And then we've had uh, this band Lucero's played Pete's a, a bunch of times. Uh, Shaky Graves, like Nathaniel Ratliff, who is a buddy of ours, a local Denver guy who's got huge. He just released his first record, so that show was fun. It was a public show. We almost sold it out, but the first 15 rows was all current and past. Illegal Pete's employees got two tickets, and then we were all we had like 600 people side stage. I don't know how they let us do all this, but. Music has always been a big, big part of who we are. And we have a record label uh, called Greater Than Collective. We put out a bunch of records that, you know, again, mostly just trying to help our homies, like local folks, just get out. So anyway, that's funny. You asked the question, how did music come about? It's just always been part of our DNA. That's amazing. And by the way, you named two groups from Queens, Nas. I know. 
and then Tribe Called Quest. Tribe, you might be a Queens guy stuck in Denver. Dude, I, We've seen that before. I love it. Queensbridge. I love that. That's amazing. I grew up near Queensbridge. I ran to Queensbridge every day. I grew up in the projects uh, since I've been an immigrant since 15 wow. and then worked my way up. But I grew up right next to Ornaz's and, you know, he was in such an inspiration when he grew, grew up in projects in Queens. It's like, wait, and he's, by the way, one of our investors. He is? He is. Nah, no. He's one of our investors. I'm not kidding. It's, Dude, it's true amazing. story. It's, it's amazing. He's, by the way, an incredible investor. He's like a secret Jedi, incredible investor. He's an investor in Coinbase and this and that. So to have that guy full circle, it was like amazing. He was touring on like three or four years ago. It was just amazing. He's all like youth growing up mm -hmm. there. Wow. Dude, you. Yeah. I took pictures dude, you, next to the housing project. Investor? Dude, that that's my. Baller. If we don't make it, that is my honor. That is baller, dude. You've made it. That's yeah. it. Yes. I'm, I, dude, everything else now is a uh, credit. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, now this amazing program you're doing, the Starving Artist Program. When you put this out there, were you like, oh, you know, 20% of the band members are on drugs. They're not going to be hungry. We don't have to feed them. It's the 80% we need to go after. A little bit, you know, you're thinking about it a little bit. Yes, a little bit. Just more, a little bit. The more successful just, they are. It's just like, we got it, right? Like, we were friends with all these people. It's not easy, right? And plus, you want dudes coming through. It's super fun. Like, they're typically guys gals people they're just out there getting after it man they're following their dream they're typically awesome really gracious they're fun so really just felt like the right thing to do and also part of the thinking although we haven't been super formal about this because we haven't grown like a lot of the other brands you have on here but i was also thinking because we fed oh gosh i don't know five thousand bands at this point but Jesus. there was also me probably more than that actually but part of the thinking is if we go to phoenix which we did grow that we've got a database of bands that we can draw on when we open hey do you want to play the show do you want to work there do you want to like tell your homies about us so there was sort of a uh, a marketing angle too that we had never really pushed but yeah it just all all the way around like a really good deal and especially quickly in the in the age of social media it makes sense right just give us a shout it's good you said that we didn't grow as much as other brands on your list. I think what we were trying to do is honor the best brands, the cult favorite, the local favorite, has multiple unit, but is in neighborhood joint. And that's what you guys are. Like you guys are so loved by your community. You, you have a cult following. And I think that's winning. Opening thousand burger joint and no one is happy with the burger. You know who I'm talking about is not a, a sustainable brand. I think what you guys are doing is what all of us need to strive to do because it's really hard building great brands. And you've certainly built that and a great community and a great following. I appreciate you saying that. I really do. I, I do. It's an honor to be a part of it. I'm just acknowledging that, right? And we've got 12 restaurants. We've got four in the decks right now. we got two major remodels. So we are starting to really think, rethink about growth post-COVID. But I want to acknowledge, again, just very honored to be on the list. I'm up there with some heavy hitters. So thank you. Absolutely. One of the things we tried to spotlight among the top 30 hottest brand is people who are changing the industry or creating a playbook for the industry, writing it for the first time. Who out there you think is impressive from your point of view? Other restaurant groups, you're like, oh, I, I like what they're doing. I, I think that's fun. You know, I think the Ann Pizza guy, like I'd follow them. I don't know their brand. Lestoria? Yeah, yeah. He's an investor here too. Is he? Damn. Yeah, he's awesome. You know, because I think he's very like-minded. We did our uh, living wage initiative in 2015, ended it in 2019, which kind of put us ahead of the curve. So he seemed to be very like-minded that way. So I admire that. He fights for the $15 yeah. living wage as well. And you guys have been fighting for a living wage as well. The folks that are being really cutting edge in that space are the brands that stand out to me because I think we have an opportunity to really 
influence the industry to be better employers, to be better community. And then I guess that's kind of a lot of what you're talking about here, how we engage in the community. I mean, I think that we can be great leaders. We employ part of the living wage work I did in 2015 to 19. I didn't realize that this industry employs one out of nine people in America. You touch so many people, right? So the companies that are doing that and, and really using their reach to make an impact there, I have great admiration for. And I think he's definitely one of them. So, you know, Lastoria cares about about living wage because he grew up not so rich, grew up super poor upstate New York and, you know, had a really tough life and made it out there. So he really understands, you know, how much a dollar can go, right? How much a dollar can stretch and uh, the importance of the next paycheck. And so that's why he is fighting for minimum wage and he's in DC, he has a lot of restaurants there and he can make a change and be a voice for change. What is your reason? Why do you think you are investing so much time here in being a great employer? Because these are my peers, man. Like I said, I was 23 when I started it, or 24, I guess, when I opened, but I was working with like the people that became my very best friends, right? And so it almost like, I didn't really realize it to begin with. My experience became such that like, when we found success, I was like, man, these are like good friends of mine that are still like the best man in my wedding. That was kind of it. I was like, man, when I'm finding success, I'm working with these people that side to side, we're basically shoulder to shoulder. They're my age, they're my peers, they work hard. You know, granted I'm taking, you know, bigger risk, I guess, opening the business, but that was part of it. And then uh, just kind of seeing reality of how it's hard to live in this country without a living wage. I mean, seeing our industry and again, didn't realize that I would make some people angry when I was doing this stuff, the living wage stuff, talking about it in 2015, 16, 17, because people were like, you know, that's the model that we have is we have to pay these wages. I'm like, I don't really think so. But like seeing people have to work two to three jobs to even live, support a family just didn't sit well with me. That's not the country that I want. And I wanted my employees and my coworkers to be able to spend their time off. First of all, have time off and then have money to spend in my restaurants and my, you know, the restaurants that I care about in my community. So again, I think it occurred naturally because of the people that I work with and I continue to work with. And so I, I care a lot about the opportunities I've been given in this country. And I think that we have an opportunity to bring those up around us. I love that. I absolutely am inspired by that. And you were the founding member of Good Business Colorado. Yeah. And that came on the heels of the of the minimum wage uh, vote in 2016. Where, where... I saw you in a picture in a dress shirt too. Yeah, man. I... From it. I saw it. I'm like, oh my God, he's wearing a shirt. Like, uh, how did he find this? Yeah, shirt? I was testified. I've testified to Congress. I sat on a state board, the uh, Secure Savings, the like basically the state run IRA sort of thing that we passed. So I was on the board for that. So yeah, I actually, I wore shirts, like collared shirts then. And I've worn it, I could look pretty good. In fact, for the first like maybe one month of Illegal Pete's, I thought I had to wear like collared shirts and stuff. And my friends are like, what are you doing, dude? They're like, I like thought I had to like look like a manager. They're like, no man. For one month at Pete's, I was wearing collared shirts anyway. I mean, I'm talking, you know, you're real button. I wear, no, that's I wear, I, no, no, this is a shirt. This is a polo. That's I wear tight. a collar because we do enterprise customers. So no, I have that's a good looking shirt. No, that's sharp. I'm just saying, you Thank know, you're, you're, you. you're J Crow, J Crow. Pure button up, like nice, like Brooks Brothers type. Yeah. 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 I, I gotta ask you something. Tell me if I'm wrong. Very much, you know, dining in very much live bands, comedy shows, community effort, all like in here, everyone come here. We're going to show you a great time. We're going to feed you great food and we're going to have some great music. COVID comes. What's happening? What's going through your mind? What's going through the business? Take us through that. I don't know how you saw it coming, but I was paying attention to China, to Europe. I was like, man, so this is not, this doesn't. So you like heard it before March? Cause I, it hit 
me when it hit everyone. No, man. Like January, like, yeah. When, so you're early. Yeah, yeah. I was early. I was ahead of it, man. I'm not a conservative guy. I'm usually like very hopeful, but I saw that coming. I was like kind of freaking out and like talking to people in the industry. And I was kind of like, yeah, I was a little bit ahead of it. And a little like friends had just got back from like Italy and like Rome was empty. I'm like, man, this is, feels like a weird movie or something. So I was a little like nervous Nelly before it. And then when it hit, you know, we closed down. First things first was just keep people safe, right? So that's what we did. I basically, we all went on, on unemployment. So I furloughed everybody for, which a lot of businesses did. And then we reopened. It just leaned really, really hard on Nabil on safety. I look back on, I think I did the right thing. I just did them really poorly. Like I tried to make the decisions for the company purely around safety. And we kind of overdid it. And we almost got to a point where like I was scaring my team almost like, man, just trying to be too safe. But it was just a heavy burden to be employing the public, serving the public. Yeah, our vibe completely changed overnight. So not that everybody's didn't, but we were, yeah, welcoming, dude. Let's all mingle. Let's all like have fun. Let's sit at a bar together, right? It got very cold. Yeah, very cold. man, which, which you can't really get around. But I think I went a little too much, but it was for the right reasons. I was trying to keep it. But imagine you did the opposite. Imagine you did not go enough. Like that's a bigger regret than the one you're feeling right now. I, I don't think anyone got it right. No, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. And so I can look back and check myself and it's really like leaning on values. And that was a dark time. Like that was our 25th anniversary. So I went from planning a 25 year party celebration to like, oh shit, am I even going to survive? Truly. Remember that? Like really it was existential. So made it through that. The government programs came through that was amazing work but it's just basically like checking your values what's important to you keep people safe do the right thing how interesting was it that it validated sort of the living wage piece that overnight we are essential we are keeping this economy the world running people in retail are, are really the only contact people we're having with people we're keeping people fed so again we, we played a very important role but it was so hard on our people too right people were like at first you know everybody was super gracious and then they got really mean so man our teams went through hell and i, I just want to acknowledge that like, like they went to battle for us, man, for their neighbors, for their communities. And we made it through. So it made me think, what is important? What are our values, you know, in community? So as we're coming out of COVID, you know, I'm just rethinking everything. And again, what a great opportunity that we'll never hopefully have again to where the world stops. And you can think what's leading us now are still, you know, celebration, connection, having fun. But I'm just trying to be a cleaner, safer, better brand. And I want to mention one other brand that I really admire. And he's out of New York too, Sean Meenan and Cal Abana. Yeah. And he's doing really cool stuff around uh, sustainability. So that's kind of where my head has been too. Like we've done kind of living ways. We're going to keep pushing that. But when I say cleaner, safer, better, how do we better employ? We're rethinking how we build our buildings. And also um, the end of 2021 uh, in Boulder, Colorado, a thousand homes burned. Sorry, I'm getting a little heavy now, but like it's been a no. couple years, dude. I don't think people understand how many stuff you have to deal with or operators have to deal with. So it's not heavy at all. It's your life. You have to live it. So that made me, as I was thinking like, man, also coming out of COVID, nothing matters except for what matters, our values, right? Nothing sacred in my business. Not that we're not serve burritos. Obviously we're gonna keep doing that, but I was like, man, nothing really matters. Let's rethink everything, dude. So, and then just seeing what was going on in the world. And I mentioned Boulder, Colorado, cause that's where our first restaurant was, but a thousand homes burned on December 30th of 2021, which is crazy to me, crazy to me. So like there's this whole like climate issue. So uh, that's what I'm saying. I'm 
getting heavy. So that's like, it made me do a hard shift to innovation. And we're going, our newest first ground up restaurant is all electric and we're powering the whole thing on site. Our entire rooftop is 170 kilowatt solar array. I did a whole ass shift. We're still going to have fun. We're going to have a blast, but we're like deep into like what's next in innovation and kitchen technology. We shrunk our cook line and we're, you asked like what happened to COVID and I'm giving my, my head went like super dark, safe. And then almost like, oh shit, nothing matters, man. Every day is a gift. Honestly, what, like I realized dude, 25 years, like, oh, I feel pretty good, man. I think I know what I'm doing. Then, then the world stops and you're like, man, you don't know shit, which is kind of nice. It's sort of humbling. If you're cool with that, don't fight against it. Be like, all right, cool. What lesson can I learn today? What can I learn tomorrow? So I, that's where I was like, man, we, we're on a really interesting trajectory right now. So that's what I took from COVID. That was a whole lot. I'm going to clip that and send it back to you because what I hear on my side of the table, I'm just like having a hard time sitting down at this chair because I'm so like excited and energized for you. It's been hard for everybody to watch someone reinvent themselves. Think about the David Bowie's of the world, the Michael Jackson's of the world, uh, all these great artists we love that reinvent themselves over decade after decade. I think you guys are doing that man this is your third act like not because of COVID in spite of COVID in spite of COVID you're like you know what we're going to redo the way we have fun we're going to redo the way we have build our restaurants we're going to redo all of these things and this is our third act so I am sad that hard things are coming your way but I'm so happy that to watch someone who just deals with them in so much fucking grit you know so I'm pumped for you you're absolutely hearing it correctly that's great man again it was a super dark man three two and a half years ago but I come out completely re-energized and refocused I'm glad you're hearing that it's been wild i never would have thought that you know obviously two years ago never ever and a year ago i was like man this hard pivot or a year and a half ago is like the road the path i'm like man just eyes open and where the decisions the values drive me to making these decisions like this path we began a year and a half ago i wouldn't have told you that but it's really cool but it's also risky too but so i'll let you know we're in with the city we're doing a pilot program in the city of denver first all electric full-on uh, electrified kitchen ground up so you'll see next summer but uh yeah it's cool man it's fun. All I ask of you is never change and continue being that rebellious 23, 24 year old kid who is trying to emulate his father. I think you're doing that and you're doing it so well and you're honoring so many different memories. So keep crushing it, man. This is one of the best talk I've had. I genuinely mean that. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been uh, Thank you. been fun talking to you.